0: Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom, and welcome
1: to Malka Fleischer. Malka, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. Another beautiful week. It's summertime up in here.
0: It is indeed summertime. It's beautiful. It's Mm -hmm. warm. That's right. It is. It is. And we have a very interesting show for our beloved friends and listeners throughout the world uh, in Israel and abroad. We have a show today, Malka. I have a lot of specials today. Oh, really? I have Noam Arnon, Doctor Noam Arnon from Chevron, about one verse, just one verse, a special verse about Chevron in this week's Torah portion, which is Shlach. This is the Torah portion of the sin of the spies. One of my, you know, kind of like uh, I wouldn't even call my favorites. It's like one of my like lights in life. You know what I mean? The Torah portion of Shlach, Kalev Ben Yifune, all these things uh, that that like are, are part of my make up my kind of psychology and how I think about life. Uh, so Noam are known on one verse. Then Rabbi Ellie Michel is going to be with us today, and he just made Aliyah, and is That's it was it was a successful American young American rabbi, changed his life. We're going to find out why he did so. How's it going? Ooh, okay, this is very good. I have another special guest, and that is uh, an interview that I did in 2015. With Aleph Bet Yoshua. Oh wow! Aleph Bet Yoshua is an Israeli novelist. I did not novelist. remember that you
1: did an interview with him.
0: Uh, truth of the matter is, I did more than one interview with him. What? Yes, that's right. I did more than one interview with Aleph Bet Yoshua uh, in in my in time. I who think is I,
1: that for people who are just? Uh, he was an Israeli getting uh,
0: novelist, essayist, playwright. Uh, New York Times called him the Israeli Faulkner, uh, and he was a Zionist, but on the left. Um, and uh, he had good humor, and, and from time to time, interesting ideas, in my opinion, and I liked him, and uh, we did not have political agreement, but he passed away yesterday, and he's like a kind of icon in Israeli culture, and I got to speak to him a few times uh, on radio, at different radio stations. I, I think I spoke to him once at uh, at the um, uh, Israel National Radio but then we found Ben Bresky found two uh, of my uh, interviews with wow. him uh, from 2015 at Voice of Israel. Wow! So we're going to play that. Um, so that's going to be exciting. And then a little bit of Table Torah, uh, just to finish up the the show. So that's number one. Number two is that I want to say that to- today's show is dedicated uh, for uh, two folks that need healing, uh, and that is first um, we have. We have uh, Rifua Shlema for Esther Batsara. Yes, I'm in. Uh, who is right now...
1: We were talking um, for her last week. Are we get any updates? Right.
0: Uh, she still needs a little bit of lung blessings. Oy. She was in a car accident. Crazy, 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 And, crazy. and it hurts so much. Uh, you know, a person lives such a full life suddenly to be hit in their in their elderly years mm. by a car. Give out. Well, so,
1: with God's help, she'll make a full recovery. Exactly,
0: exactly. and And, and also... You know, sometimes I'm going to say a weird thing. Sometimes other people get hurt so that we have the schut to daven for them. So that we have the merit to aid, we get the merit to pray for their soul and also that they get, you know, prayers heard for their soul. I don't know. I I'm, I you know, I'm not a I'm not a mystic. Lo or, or, or let's lo just aleichem. say I'm not going to tell you yes. I'm a mystic, but uh, the yeah, exactly. Lo aleinu lo alechem and, and and let us just pray uh, for uh, Esther bat Sarah uh, and I prayed for it at the Tomb of the Patriarchs, the Matriarchs. So, too, uh, for a good friend, Arya Abramitz's dad, Mordechai Herschel ben Chayka, who needs a refuah shlema. Amen. Uh, and he's getting better. But Thank he's...
1: Hashem. So, so, okay, so some good news is yeah, people are moving on the up and up. So keep keep our prayers going, people. That's right. That's right. They're effective.
0: And and may the show dedication be a little, little tiny merit for you, uh, Bizrat Hashem, uh, uh, in, in heavens. And uh, in Hashem... You know, we we ask you for for full healing for so many of us, and all of us have little ailments and little things. And in fact, our son, Israel David Mordechai, son of Malka Ben Malka, had a little accident yesterday. Yes, he fell on his face. Yep, and bled from his two front teeth from the top from the gums. It was pretty horrible. And and and, and his
1: I, lip is all puffed
0: up. Lift, and his you other know, other lip is kind of puffed up. I consider myself a, a kind of like tough person inside, mm-hmm. but like there is one thing I'm not tough on is that when I see my kids like it's some kind of like accident type situation. This happened now. This is the second time. I get like queasy. I get uh, what's it called that reaction? There's like a fancy word for it, but like there's a there's, nauseous. Yeah, but there's a there's a there's a word for it when you. When you react, uh, when, you, when you see blood Now, it's, I have no issues with blood I can see my own blood I can, I can see all kinds of things I'm Like It doesn't bother me But if I see my kids get hurt Like something happens And I start getting that, that Like I want to pass out reaction oh, I think it's called I think it's called vasovagal reaction Oh So I get this thing And I'm like, like I'm just like uh, So I saw a picture of,
1: uh, oh, of Israel's uh, poor uh, little teeth
0: Yeah, I was out And yesterday I So was, we're going
1: to go to the dentist today
0: For x-rays so if you don't mind oh. if you're going to throw in uh, prayers for, for the, the folks, uh, Esther Batsara and Mordechai uh, Herschel, Ben Heika. If you don't mind throwing in also: yeah, A little extra a little.: Yisrael, David, Mordechai, Ben Malka, that would be great. Um, I had, a, I had a, a long day, and I wasn't home yesterday. I left home you know in the morning and didn't come till late at night. I had a, I had a very interesting day, Malka.: you That's know? fun. Let's hear about it. First, I went to the um, Ministry of Tourism.
1: That's cool. I what's know, it like in there?
0: It is a bureaucratic office yeah. with people that want good for Israel. There is a question mark whether they're going to be around since some of them are what's called misrot imun or political appointees. Oh. And so therefore they may very well right, they not sw- be there. could switch
1: out cuz the government's looking a little iffy, shaky. Okay, yeah.
0: we have a we have a shaky government. We suffer from shaky government syndrome. Uh, because that's what ambivalence leads to. Oh, Malka, yeah. check this out. I was talking about ambivalence, my, my uh, take on, on what Israel suffers from, and I was at the tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs with a Christian group called Philos. 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 I thought it was Phylos, but they were like, no, Philos, and then some guy quoted the Greek, and he said, that's the way to say it. And anyway, so I'm touring this group, and I'm showing them the Marat Machpela the tomb of the patriarchs of matrix and i'm explaining to them that one of the reasons that it's not be- as beautiful as it should be it's because of our ambivalence because
1: we're not sure that right. we're supposed to be here right. to so we're not this fancying thing. it up doing it a little power wash
0: right yeah so there's this part that that like i looked up and i showed them the paint and there's like paint chipping on a large section inside inside uh-huh and i said to them do you see that what that is how do you say sarat in English again? I always forget. Uh, leprosy. I go, that is the leprosy of ambivalence Ooh. of the state of Israel. That is That shows. That's now your book. Right, leprosy mm. of ambivalence. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that that's like a, I think it's more like an article. Yeah. Okay. How about that? That's not a bad article idea, yeah. by the way. Leprosy of ambivalence. I like yeah. that. And so uh, just, yeah, amb- ambivalence doesn't work. So you you walk into the ministry of tourism. So, so this guy says to me, He hears me talking, and he's like an important guy there. He goes, hey, 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 I just want you to know that Japan wants to help fund a Jesus trail in Israel. We're going to do it. And it's going to cross through the Palestinian Authority, Israel, and Jordan, and it's going to be like a walking path in like the north and then going down south from Nazareth to Bethlehem and all kinds of stuff like that. Okay. So I'm just like, look, bro, look, just, just... that's that's my th- that's how i come into the ministry of tourism and I'm wait ta- oh the
1: guy at the ministry of tourism is telling you this. i'm
0: telling him that we're working on the israel biblical highway
1: right so he's like you know
0: we're working on something similar called the jesus trail right i said to him bro and and, and it's all funded by japan like here's me I'm like, why does Japan like, want to do this? Right. I asked him, why does Japan want to do this? So he's like, because Japan wants like a part in the Middle East. They want to be like peacemakers and stuff oh, like that. Oh, God. And here's me. Oh, and, and also we can't make a trail with the Palestinian Authority who hates us and thinks we're just occupiers and Jordan, which is against us. Oh, and, but they'll do
1: it with for Japan. Right, exactly.
0: Like, and here's me. Here's I me. Here's think, me. Here's I mean,
1: I would like to walk to Jordan. I would walk on the trail to Jordan. <laughs> I mean, it sounds all trails sound like nice.
0: Number one. It's all our land, the Palestinian Authority. That land is the heart of our land. Jordan was once supposed to be the, the, the it's part of the biblical land of Israel and was supposed to be part of the state of Israel until the British took it away. So one, it's like, oh, and, and Palestinian Authority, what do we give them? Practically everything electricity and everything. Their their coinage is shekel. They're totally under our tutelage, but we're afraid to work with them. And Jordan, they wouldn't survive another day without us if we would just turn off the tap on the water, right? They just would dry up and go away. And like, oh, but we're afraid to, 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 nobody wants to deal with us. Our neighbors that we feed, the monsters that we feed, they don't want to deal with us. Uh Uh-huh, okay. Second thing, it's like, Japan wants to get in and put money
1: why don't you just Yeah. why don't you tell them no thanks oh you want to get in right we don't just yeah 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 and then I don't have a lot of words and and then
0: and then it's like with respect I say this to my friends and believers in Christianity Jesus trail no I don't think so how about the Bible trail you want to call it the Bible Trail? Sure, so that way Israelis could feel comfortable. I can send my kids there. I don't have to see a sign of something that is, in the end, not part of my religion, and in in the end has been two thousand years of been fighting against my religion. Okay, today we have maybe different Christians, but there is still plenty of missionaries and other things. And it's like, with respect, I say this: like, no, we'll call it the Bible Trail. If you want to talk about your part of the how you understand the Christian text, fine, but like. But, like, I think
1: what you're saying is it's alienating
0: it's alienating, it's divisive, and it's just like it's 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 not the brand of Jewish Israel
1: and not to say that Christians can't walk up and down and sideways every trail that they walk absolutely and talk about their narrative and sure. teach their teach their narrative to their to their guests do your, do
0: your thing i'm not I'm right. not against your thing, but that's not what the thing that I want posted on my country's like signs right if you want that you go to the vatican okay here this is a jewish country with respect and most of my christian friends are nodding their head positively saying you're right Ishai. okay not you you gotta the bottom line is you gotta have some backbone some self-identification some I even heard today I was like with half an ear I was listening they're bringing in the Disney Channel here in Israel or some kind of Oh, Disney it's not Plus. here yet they're bringing in the Disney Plus or something so all right. it's all over the news this morning oh really whatever which is I mean I wouldn't, wouldn't what, notice what's Disney Plus other than like a way to like wreck the next generation whatever I don't want to get into it but like they were talking about France and when, when I was, I'm telling them, I like half an ear. They were saying like in France, when Disney Plus wanted to get in, so France was like, no, we cannot have Disney Plus come into our country <laughs> unless we create our own content. Okay? Oh, that's nice. Right.
1: Creating our own content. There's an
0: idea. I'm saying, that's like what I'm trying to say to you. I'm like, and here I am, Yishai Fleischer at the tourism ministry. And the guy's like, oh yeah, Japan wants to invest in the Jesus trail because uh, they want to make peace for us. And and uh, we can't work anyway with the PA in Jordan. I'm just like what is this malarkey? Yeah, what is this? What am I even hearing here? Have some oh my god, like do you think that like when you go to another country that like presents itself well, like I don't know Australia, they're always like come on, like have a backbone, have a culture, have a thing you present. Have your thing and present it. And our thing is the Tanakh. And and it's just like it's so inclusive. It's so anyway. That started my day, okay, but it wasn't so that's a bad meeting. Fun. All right. Truth so what is, was the rest of it? Truth is, is that I, I gently but firmly let him have it. <laughs> gently but firmly. Yeah.
1: What'd you say? I said to him, let's
0: call it something. Inc- I I used I used liberal language. I said, why don't we use something more inclusive by calling it the you know if you want to do it, call it the Bible Trail. That way,
1: it's not off putting to us. And- Although it may take you on a trail that is not what our bible talks about our bible is all over this country there is no place well nazareth bethlehem Na- all this Be- bethlehem. okay but that's not the story they're gonna get when they walk on the trail ah,
0: whatever my point is is that I, I didn't work out the details and he told me it's only at the beginnings i said to him why don't you just and he's like okay okay and by the end he was like saying the bible trail really um,
1: yeah Yishai Fleischer.
0: I'm telling you, just save Right it. up in I there just in the Ministry the of just the tourism. country. Okay, Save the country, me. <laughs> just like, okay, yes.
1: i standing on one foot. Yeah.
0: Anyway, whatever, but like, here's me. I'm just like, my eyes are like rolling in my head and I'm like, and I'm keeping the, that's the-
1: Ministry of Tourism, dude.
0: Right, and I'm keeping, but I'm keeping the- Well,
1: because that's also like, you know, they think to themselves probably at the Ministry of Tourism, they're thinking to themselves, who comes and who's interested and who comes and spends their money and who shows their support.
0: My eyes it's are Christian half Tourism. rolling. My eyes are half rolling right now. That is not the way to think about things. You don't always think about it just from the end user. You got to present. You got to, people respect you when you have self-respect. And that's exactly this week's Torah portion. The spies that came into the land, they're like, we were we were grasshoppers in our, in our eyes, and so we were in theirs. That's like the Torah giving you psychology 101. If you don't have self-confidence, if you don't walk uprightly, you know what I mean? If you don't have your own thing, nobody respects you, and they trot all over you. But if you have your own, as my Haredi friends say, zach, if you have your own you know culture your own your own thing and you're proud and you, and you and you put it out there. people are like oh good i want to consume that that's cool israeliness just like you and i are interested in japanese culture or i don't know when i went to france i saw you know the, the friend whatever it is you come to a place
1: right you don't want you definitely don't want to go the worst thing in the world is when is when you go to like a foreign country and you go to a kosher restaurant and it's like falafel and you're just like what like I could eat falafel back in Israel. I came here to eat French to cuisine, eat whatever. Or to Italian eat cuisine. like I'm in the Czech Republic. Give me a something, a, a bratwurst, some kind of uh, dumpling thing. Yeah. Like, you know, I want to like I'm here for the thing.
0: Yeah, right, exactly. But anyway, but I, I I just want you to know that I did pretty well at like not crossing any lines. I just want you to know that. That's anyway, nice. from there I went to a uh, a meeting at uh with uh with um the, so you
1: went to the Ministry of Tourism to talk about the Israel Biblical Highway.
0: That's it. And, and I, do they like the idea? They like the idea, and they gave us some pointers about how to move it forward. We have now signed almost every single mayor of cities and, regi- and, and regional, the, councils. regional councils along the road.
1: Wow. That's awesome. It, I think it's
0: unprecedented. Are, the,
1: are, are there ones that are like not going to sign, or are there ones that you're just waiting for them to sign?
0: There's a little bit of politics, hmm. and, and there's some people that want to look like they're not part of everybody else's thing.
1: Oh, so come we got, on,
0: Jews. Yeah, we got, one of the, we got one or two of those, but we'll, we'll get him. But anyway, it's also it doesn't matter that much because it's like we we, we basically have- Also, the,
1: once you guys are super successful, then they'll be like, us too, we're in there.
0: They basically said that. They're like, we will not sign on to this, but we might write a separate letter saying that we are also with this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's go.
1: Okay, little Jews. Yeah. You I, do your divisive unity.
0: Yeah. Then I went from there all we'll the way to uh, to uh, to uh, to Beit Shemesh and did an interview with Rabbi Ellie Michelle, which we're going to hear about. Uh, we're going to hear uh, in just a little bit. And then from there, um, I told you today we have a lot did of Did you get interesting...
1: any gas station sushi?
0: Well, I'm right now in the middle of a, a liver cleanse, Malka. Because you... there's
1: a really good gas station sushi place. I know it. Beit Shemesh. And I was
0: right next to it. But I did not- uh, uh uh imbibe any sushi at the gas station because i'm a bit of a liver cleanse i had a little bit of a, a my my liver numbers aren't so great and so i'm um the blood work and so i'm clean cleansing out right now
1: yes well i just wanted to say Ishai that that i wish that we had known earlier about this but um on june 7th 8th and 9th at the serona market in tel aviv From 5 to 11 p.m. was the world's largest vegan festival. Israel's vegan fest. A hundred food stalls offering dishes from vegan restaurants, free cooking workshops, activities for kids, lifestyle lectures, yoga, soap making, live music, every crunchy thing that you could think (laughs) of in the entire world. Was there cruelty free shoes? Oh, man. Cosmetics. In collaboration with, uh, between the Tel Aviv municipality, Sirona Park, and Serona I'm, I'm Market. I'm even
0: surprised that anybody would be wearing shoes over I there. I only
1: want to say this because, because Israel is both because, A, Israel is considered like Israel's vegan capital of the world, which is ironic given that India is like largely vegan. So I don't know why Israel would be the vegan capital of the world. Maybe they just like make a point of saying that. The stuff is vegan. Well, If you're not the Bible, or maybe capital we're doing of the world. like vegan innovation. Right. But I want to say that as a, just for, you know, you're. I grew okay. I grew up in Texas. Right, meat is good for you. All right, that we grew up, meat is good for you. And now there's this like huge divide in the world. There's two kinds of people: the people who think that you should eat like only meat, like the keto people, and the people who think you should never eat meat. The I don't know Mediterranean. Well, the Mediterranean diet. People. Do you, eat a do you
0: know bit. who's who's anti meat now? Who? Uh, Bill Gates.
1: Well, then we should be pro meat.
0: I, I mean, kind of. I don't know, but like. <laughs> I don't
1: know. You just like basically anything you tell me that Bill Gates is into, I'm gonna be not into, and vice versa.
0: I don't know. I, I'm just telling you that, that. Although I
1: do still use like Microsoft products here and there.
0: Yeah, me too. Not a lot though. Not a lot. Yeah, not a lot. Uh, but I use case, the
1: Microsoft To Do list.
0: They bought that. It was it was it was, uh, it was Oh. They, so it's
1: like a German product? Yeah, I don't
0: know, whatever. But anyway, they, they 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 bought it. They didn't develop it themselves. Most things that that Microsoft develops are annoying.
1: But anyway, for your for your cleanse, we've been trying to get you off of meat for just a little bit, just to see if it uh affects the affects your liver, it gives it a little breaky pants so that it can go back to enjoying meat. Yeah. And I thought Like, as a person who grew up in Texas, like, you eat meat every day. Like, what are you talking about? you got to eat meat at least once a day if you want to be healthy. (laughs) Right? So, I don't know. But anyway, I was like, okay, we'll we'll try this. And it has not been so hard.
0: No, it's not been so hard. It has not been so hard.
1: I've been making a lot of – I bought curry paste for the first time.
0: That curry paste dish that you made was good. I really like that one.
1: I bought coconut milk. I think I'm going to look for some cruelty-free shoes. Yeah. I, I I don't know about the cruelty free shoes. I
0: want to find a river and just bathe in it. You know what I mean. I'm just I'm just becoming Indian inside. You know what I mean. I'm becoming more spiritual. <laughs> what do you want? What do you, what do you what's wrong? They they they, they have the Ganges. They have that whole thing. Uh, and I just went to our to yeah, our yeah, but not, not Israel Ganji. is the vegan. No, what's capital? it called? Oh my gosh, I miss I miscalled it. What's it called? The big river. The the Ganges. Yeah, think. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, actually, actually, uh, my good friend's daughter is right now in India. Doing a whole India trek with like thirty religious girls. Wow! Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I would really like to go. I'm a little like I would be a little afraid to go to India, but I also would really like to go to India. I think I, I, would I too I kind of can't believe we haven't been there.
0: Should you and I do it for like our twentieth anniversary? All don't
1: all Israelis go there? Isn't that like? I feel like it's in like. Isn't a, that like part of the Bible trail?
0: Yeah, I think I feel like it's part of the Israel trail. Yeah. The Israel trail. You I have think to they go. all
1: speak Hebrew at this point.
0: A lot of people speak Hebrew there. There's no question about it. There's like a lot of, should we go
1: to India? Anyway,
0: you write Maybe. to us if you think we should go to India uh, for, for some vacation uh, and, and just check out the world a little bit. I'm sure you and I would and come back. And you would
1: do really well, probably on your on your cleanse there. Yeah, definitely. That's a good place to cleanse.
0: I, I also knew this this orthodox uh, podiatrist in the old city who goes to India once a year to do yoga, vegetarian cleanse, and well. he comes back with a lot less weight on him and, and healthy and It's just like yoga all day. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of yoga, yeah.
1: I hope it's like, what's that pose where you just lie flat on your back?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's called lie flat on back.
1: No, it's like baby pose or something. There's like some pose where I would do that one all day. It's an interesting debate, though. I have some friends
0: who believe that yoga is essentially idolatrous and therefore don't do it. And then I have other friends, and I, I myself am probably in that camp, which thinks that yoga is brilliant and and really just just like the, i call it the talmud of exercise interesting because it's so thought out it's like wow that is really
1: really thought out that wow. is somebody tried to develop i don't remember his name somebody tried to develop like a jewish version of yoga yeah with like the olive bet like you get yourself into the positions of all the letters. And
0: we have a good friend in Texas, she she used to be like a yogi and then she like because it was tied into like the 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 you know the Hinduism and, yeah, all, this. and all that so she, so she's against it and other people I know and I respect that position. I understand it, but I also think it's one of these things that you can totally elevate and it's an interesting that's one of the interesting dances between, you know, Judaism and the and, and the outside world.
1: Well, in Israel that's a, that's actually a big thing today is to here's a word, to legayare something to take a thing and to let it. what is like it means to convert it convert as in it, like right. in doing a conversion right. like a religious conversion so for example like our kids love to listen to um <laughs> what's that band the Maccabees <laughs> from America because they take like pop songs right. and then they turn them Jewish right. I took a parenting class one time called um Sheffer That was based, I can't remember the original guy, but there was like an original guy and he had this like very, very secular Western parenting concept and he, um, and he, and some like Jewish religious lady went and saw this and she thought it was brilliant and she like Jewified it. Right. And she created this whole parenting It's like like a whole
0: plagiarism. No, no, no. Well... It's not no.
1: <laughs> I don't think it's I mean, I don't think it's plagiarism. I think that it's taking things that are great and making them appropriate for us. Yeah. No, at the
0: end it's in the end it, in the end it's it's very simple. It's called inspiration. You know what I mean? You get inspired. There's 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 a zeitgeist, a flavor of the time, a spirit of the time, and and you take something that is not appropriate exactly for you and then you you convert it, you 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 shape it a little bit, and then you bring it towards you. And and our our sages have always said, there is wisdom amongst the nations. Right,
1: and I would say I think this is also something to to think about in terms of Jewish history, which is that for the longest time Judaism has really been um, concerned to not overexpose itself to foreign ideas and we continue to be that way for very good reason because you have to focus on what you're doing and what you're about and when you open your mind too much then then everything falls out so you gotta you gotta concentrate on the other hand I think that um that now there's like a new energy which says that we can have Interaction with the world and contact with the world and learn from the world and we have to keep things authentically Jewish And yet we can appreciate that there's a lot to gain from the outside and we can incorporate it And and so there are people who are working on this all the time
0: and also We are sharing outward ourselves, right? That's a big part of it. Like we're talking right now about the Jewish world incorporating non-Jewish ideas but in truth the world is incorporating our ideas, our television shows are out there, our technologies out there and our Torahs out there and people are are consuming it and they are and they are growing through it. So we are giving to the world right now right. a lot. Israel, well, we
1: could be doing more. We could be doing better.
0: But Israel Israel in terms of history if you if you looked at it as a graph, we are right now at a very apex of like sending out Israeliness and Jewishness to the world, even from when I was a kid to now, there is a marked difference. And just think about what Netflix. Let's just think about Israel being sending out its, its Fauda and its, and its uh, what's the other? The... Yeah,
1: but is that, isn't that not, not us just sending out sometimes things which are actually a reflection of the other culture that we're sending it back out into? Like Fauda, it is, it is Israeli, right? It is Israeli. But there's also what about, oodles what about of the... Westernism in there.
0: Okay, that's but that's part of who we are, also. But it, what about what about the Haredi show, the Ultra Orthodox show, Schissel. Schissel.
1: Uh But not my point. second season, third season was Whatever. not impressive. But, that, but yeah, the the first couple seasons of Shitsel were. It's more than that. Amazing. It's
0: more than that. It's also
1: our high tech. It's also that. Also, it's also it's also the
0: very fact that Israel lives.
1: Right, Israel. Lives. Israel lives. You know, a lot of people. We did a show a few weeks ago where I told people to listen to that um, to that speech.
0: By Pastor Hagee.
1: By Pastor John Hagee. is And I lives. told people, I'm like, I do not endorse generally speeches by pastors. I'm not like going to go tell you to go look it up at right, all. Right, But this one, and so I think you put it on your show.
0: Yeah, I put it on the show. And people were like,
1: I loved that speech.
0: Right. No, it's an amazing speech. It's an amazing
1: speech. Yeah, and just, and that, that, I'm
0: sorry, that that, if you think about, like, he came up with it. Like, if you think about it, just those two words. Israel lives
1: Ugh. <laughs> it just takes me right back there it takes me all back I just want the everybody whole to know zeitgeist of the time also. I just want
0: everybody to know that Malka's ah was a good ach. yeah yeah good, happy a, happy uh yeah, yeah that's a good good Jewish krechzi ach of positivity <laughs> anyway listen Malka we have a big show ahead first thing I want to really thank you for coming on yeah you talked about consuming from the Gentiles and and and, and doing gear on it and i talked about it's being sent out so the next half uh the next segment is with rabbi ellie michelle he was a rabbi in livingston new jersey successful one but moved here recently and is making his life here and let's hear from him i'm excited to uh, i think it's a, a very interesting uh, interview and we talk in part about how to how we're reaching out to the Gentile world i gave him my my um my my terminology that i came up with the, the international torah congregation that listens to to this show amongst others so we're going to hear from ellie michelle uh we also have with us today noam Marnon and we also have with us ab yoshua so we have a lot wow a lot of uh, guests this is a lot of guests a lot of stuff ab yoshua just passed away but his voice is with us so we're going to hear from him um i want to thank tabitha ben Bresky, uh moshe herman yocheved and lou when we're live uh, for helping produce the show and getting it out there. And I want to thank everybody for being uh, out there. Uh, people love the segment with you, Malka. So God bless you. Thank you so thank much you. for joining us. And more great stuff is on the way. Let us now uh, uh, shift it into into the next gear. Go with uh, uh, Rabbi Ellie Michelle. Malka, Shabbat Shalom. God bless shabbat you. Shabbat Shalom. Great things are on the way, Malka. Sh- yes, I'm and, and may yit and lema y- uh, for uh, Esther Batsara, uh, for Mordechai Herschel ben Cheka and also for our son uh, Israel David Mordechai ben Malka for Rifuash LeMa, and only good things Amen uh, and may we be not like grasshoppers in our eyes uh, but be uh, God's children uh, part of part of the kingdom of priests and a holy nation Yes uh, Amen may we move in that direction God bless you Malka more great stuff is on the way stay tuned Ellie and Michelle is next
2: Don't worry the Ishaif Leishel show will be right back so stay tuned
0: All right, folks, you are listening to the Yeshai Fleischer Show, and the Lord has brought me now to a different door, uh, a very beautiful and interesting door in uh, Ramat Beit Shemesh, or am I in Beit Shemesh? Beit Shemesh. Beit Shemesh. I'm in actually real Beit Shemesh, and I'm in the... Um, I'm in the... Uh, the, the production zone, the industrial zone of this town. So there's garages and and I see like a like a printing shop and it's a classic Israeli industrial zone, you know, and it's probably somewhere around here is a great falafel store and it's just that kind of thing. Uh, it's not very far away from the big of Beit Shemesh, uh, but I have found my way into the new offices of Israel 365, Israel365.com, folks that uh, do a variety of things to reach out to the non-Jewish world uh, with our Torah with our, our, our the miracle of Israel and in these offices before uh, you've heard of Rabbi Tully Weiss who's the editor of the Israel Bible theisraelbible.com and I've promoted that on this show uh, but I'm here to meet with somebody else, which is Rabbi Ellie Michelle. Rabbi Ellie Michelle was not so long ago the head of Suburban Torah Center. The rabbi at is that right? Did uh, I say that Congregation
3: right? Congregation Suburban Torah in That's Livingston, right. New Jersey.
0: That's right, Livingston, New Jersey. I know that because I grew up in Wayne, New Jersey, but I went to school at Kushner, Kushner Hebrew, Kushner. It was called Hya when I first started there. Then it became. Uh, 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 what's it called now? K- the Joseph Kushner JKHA, JKHA. Hebrew Academy. That's right. Sorry, my mistake. Jkha. I never went to the high school because it had not opened then. I went to Frisch, but uh, that was a famous school. You know, you guys have all heard of of the Kushner's. That's the same family. And uh, suburban Torah uh, congregation, suburban Torah, is like like it sounds like it's suburban in the in the in the GMC type of way. It's a big American. Congregation, I even spent Shavuot with you one time a long time ago. It's actually well remembered in my family because that's the time when one of my kids kept throwing up on your couch. Uh, so it's 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 a it's a nightmarish memory there a little bit, but don't worry about it. But the thing is, back then we moved on. We moved we on. We moved on. Right? <laughs> you were an American rabbi. Now you are here in Israel, and true to your family, your father Howie Michelle, your brother Judah Michelle, and and others that I don't know, but but. True to your family, you guys are just winners. Wherever you go, you just touch stuff turns to gold. Uh, your brother is well-known. He writes for, uh, for the OU uh, Torah Tidbits, and he's the head of Camp Hask, all kinds of stuff. But you have just gotten here. You've already shown, just shown up. You're now the editor-in-chief of the Mizrahi magazine, which has become, under your supervision, an awesome magazine of, of, of real you know, issues of the religious Zionist world. Uh, and you're here at, uh, you're the head of content at Israel365365.com. And you just made Aliyah. So that's that's great. Congratulations.
3: Well, I appreciate it. I'll be honest with you. If you had asked me a year ago, what am I going to be doing in Israel? I, I would have told you I have absolutely no idea. There's a lot of uh, a lot of prayer, frankly, a lot of angst. Uh, but but really, it's it's miraculous. So many people told me that this is probably what would happen. They didn't know what would happen, but this is the land of miracles. Mm-hmm. And you just take that leap and that leap of faith, and it's unbelievable how how all the pieces have come together. Baruch Hashem. I'm Baruch very Hashem. thankful.
0: Now, one of the uh, uh, miracles or coincidences, if you will, is that we're talking uh, here at the eve of Parshat Shlach, which is for me like a semi-holiday. Okay. this is like this is the this is the the central Torah portion of the of of the Torah (laughs) for me. Um, And I'll just start out by saying that just a few weeks ago, I was in Brooklyn on Jerusalem Day and on that Shabbat. So I I, like I sacrificed my Jerusalem Day to be in Brooklyn and to spread out Jerusalem Day from Brooklyn, which I'm thankful for. That's that shlichut. But on Shabbat, I was faced with uh, an anti-Zionist rabbi. A real Orthodox, a good Jew, but an anti-Zionist rabbi. Now, most rabbis, Orthodox rabbis, are not anti-Zionist, but they're not exactly Zion in America. They're not also Zionist either. They're oftentimes, at best, pro-Israel, uh, and rarely do you meet a real Zionist rabbi like Rabbi Prezansky from TNIC, who's also a great teacher, uh, a great lawyer, a great teacher, great rabbi. But he's now here in Israel. You clearly have shown yourself you would you could have easily had an excellent career as a rabbi at Suburban Torah. No doubt about it. It is a wealthy synagogue. It is a wealthy town. They liked you there. I'm sure they liked you there. Tell me about that process a little bit about here on Prashad Shlach, where we talk about the love of the land of Israel, the yearning for it, and those leaders and rabbis who rejected it. Tell me why you're here today, you know, in in context.
3: It's a a big question. And I I think I'll start with your first point, which is... I don't think the issue is so much that rabbis are anti-Zionist. Like you said, those are few and far between, thank God. Uh, the issue often is for rabbis, and having been there in America, and, and uh, I settled in, in for, for quite some time. You know, I, I, we, didn't, we didn't move here as kids. I have, uh, teenage, I have teenage daughters. So we were in America for a very long time. And when you're an American rabbi, the, the standard rabbi feels, and this is including Orthodox rabbis, the standard rabbi feels uncomfortable talking about Israel, they, they care about Israel, they only want the best for Israel, but they know deep in their hearts that really they should be in Israel. And because they're not, and because they're not following through on that, they, they feel awkward and uncomfortable about it. And it can be very difficult over time to talk about something as a value when you, you yourself are not living it. Now, I, I do think that's the wrong way of looking at things. I think that, that we really need to be prouder and stronger about Israel, that that's our place. Uh, and that there's no reason for rabbis to have to feel guilty that they're in America if they're there on, as you said, shlichut. Right? If, if a rabbi would view himself that way. Right. But well,
0: we said that earlier in the conversation. We didn't say that on the radio now together. But we were talking about feeling like you're an emissary of that value. Most rabbis do not feel that. Not only that, there is a subtle horridization, an ultra-doxification of thinking, which makes, basically, it changes the world around to say... Everything is galut. Everything is exile. Israel is exile also. Learning Torah is the most important thing. There is no great value in our time of in-gathering the exiles. In-gathering exiles, that's not really happening right now. And, you know, even if it's not overt, it's subtle and it's there.
3: 100%. Well, first of all, let's just be be very honest. There's fear. Uh, A lot of rabbis, you know, are drawn to Israel. They love Israel, but they're afraid. I mean, I know I was afraid to pick up and move. It's a scary thing. People are nervous about their jobs. They don't want to talk too much about Israel uh, because people at a certain point maybe won't be so happy if they're constantly hearing about Israel and w- how they should be going and they're not going. Uh, so rabbis are afraid for their livelihoods. They're afraid to pick up and move for their livelihoods. That, that's certainly there at the at, at the foundation of it all. And at a certain point when you keep living that way, uh, y- there is a subtle need to justify where you're, you know, your life and where you're coming from. So you, you end up de-emphasizing Israel, de-emphasizing the messages that God is sending us through Jewish history, and focusing on those things which you can do more easily and and feel very good about in exile, which is say Torah study and right. and elements like that. So I, I think it, it may be many much of this begins with fear and begins right. and but because they need to justify it subtly, maybe unconsciously the focus turns to elements of Judaism that don't make them feel guilty.
0: Rabbi Ellie Michel, do you see how the things that you're talking about dovetail so precisely with the Torah portion? It's, it's all about fear. We were grasshoppers in their eyes, and so we were in ours. Uh, do we lose power? Are we going to lose you know, our positions? It's like so much of that. And, and when I dealt with this anti-Zionist rabbi, just a few weeks ago, I said to him, I, I, he, he, he really, he really got my goat. He, 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 just pushed me. And I just went up to him when there was a moment between, I didn't want to embarrass him, certainly. And I didn't want to be over any, any, uh, you know, any disrespect, but I said to him, we wouldn't want to be like the spies, wouldn't we? Like I, I threw it out to him, like, <laughs> and I, and I thought to myself, I am meeting the reincarnation of, uh, of uh, Satur ben Michael. Here he is. He's Soter. He is against the, the Eretz Israel, but he's son of Michael. He's a really serious-looking rabbi and all that, but he's Satur ben Michael. You really you see the brilliance of, of Parshat Shlach. It's, it's
3: absolutely incredible, and it almost can make you, when you begin to think about how, it, how it's playing out again in our time, it can almost make you feel sorry for it a little bit more sympathetic to the, <laughs> these these spies right who they didn't say that 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 israel was a, a not a holy place they didn't say that right but it's an Eretz it's a land that eats its inhabitants it's too hard it's too much it's too frightening right it's too scary Right, and think about the, the perspective of so many American Jews, and you can understand it from afar. Thinking, you know, okay, I can give up my really important rabbi job here in America, my position, my pulpit. I'm a somebody. I'm important, but then I'm going to go to Israel, and what am I going to be? You know, I'll right. teach a few hours here, a few hours there. It's it's shattering to think about. You know, who who am I? What will I be without my position? The the fears that people have. I'm going to go to Israel, I'm going to have to send my son to the army, right? And and I'm going to be living someplace where. I'll be in, in greater danger. So when, when you start to, to draw the, the direct parallels, you can almost begin to understand how these the, the spies came about. These were not crazy people. Right. These were not people who were you no, know, off the charts real. evil. They, they fell into something bad, but in, in a very human way. And, right. and by under, and drawing these parallels, we can we, we, we really begin to see the power of
0: the story. Right. No, I, I, it is a very real story, a very Jewish story. Um, and yet, their anti-Zionism in the end also became anti-Judaism, because they're the ones who said that the Gentiles are stronger than he is, and they're the ones who said, "Let us turn, let us a- a- adopt a head." And one explanation is that let's make a leader, but another one is let's make an idolatry and turn and go back to Egypt. So their anti-Zionism turned them in the end to be anti-Torah, anti-rationality as well.
3: Right. I, I think you can say that the story of Shalach, the story of the, of the spies, is really the beginning of, of this uh, a, a lack of pride, of this fear that has pervaded exile for the last few thousand years. Uh, if you look at the American Jewish community, which I come from and which I owe so much to, and I'm not intending and, simply. And, and, and but, you are an American Jew. And, and I am. And, and there's and, so and, much and that I get to gain from it.
0: You live today in Kushetzion in an American Jewish community. Exactly. And, and there's something so, I mean, to me, hearing English, and somebody said, somebody once, long, this is a long time ago in my journey, you're just bringing up the old stuff. And like like somebody said to me, like, you guys should be speaking Hebrew. I'm like, when you, I told them, I'm like, when you hear English in the streets of Israel, you should be proud because those are American Jews that left America, left the flesh pots. And there, are, look, there
3: are many things that American Jews do better than anyone else, right. including Israelis. The, the the kinds of communities that we built in America, the way people take care of each other, we need to bring that here to Israel. This 100%. is what American Jews can bring. Yeah. So I, I I owe everything to to where I come from, but at the same time, if you see where American Jewry right. is going, and I'm not talking here about Reform, Conservative, and so on, I'm talking about my own Orthodox community. The fear is extraordinary. Right. And and uh, if you what happened with the Black Lives Matter. Movement <laughs> and, and just there, the ap- there was
0: a pogrom in Los Angeles and That's nobody right. talked about it. And
3: when they, I tried to get Orthodox rabbis to write a letter together with me condemning anti Semitism by Black Lives Matter, uh, I called the letter Inconvenient Anti Semitism. Every other Orthodox rabbi that I spoke to dropped off. I wrote the letter by myself. Mm. And I think the only reason I was able to write that letter was because at that point I was already headed towards the land of Israel. Mm. The land of Israel is the land of pride, the land of strength. Even if you're not yet living there, if you're connected to it, if you see yourself as a Jew of the land of Israel, even if you're in exile, you can walk with your head held high, you can walk like a Jew of Israel. Come but mute if uprightly. you're not if you're not directed that way, if that's not where your yearning is, so then your head is 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 bowed down. It's like we when we read about the curses in the Bible, that one of the worst curses that we find that when Jews are in exile, they're they're terrified of everything. A leaf falls, they turn around, they think they're being attacked. They're right. They're even making up enemies because they're so frightened. Right. Uh, and and that's a fear that we that we find the Jewish organizations in America. I'm not going to call them out by name. They do a lot of beautiful work, but the Jewish organizations in America, almost all, all of them together, refused to say anything. They were terrified. They were terrified. But one would think anti-Semitism, Shul's being. Uh, Graffitied and and Jewish stores being burned to the ground. It doesn't get clearer than that. And yet there was so much fear that they couldn't bring themselves to say anything.
0: There's there's fear and and and, and there's also this other religion, what I call my Judaism, which is is opposed to Judaism. It's this thing called my Judaism, and uh, it's it's a liberal, progressive, humanistic religion. Uh, that is very pervasive, and you're not allowed to speak against it, uh, and you're afraid to, and you will be attacked if you do. You will be. That's a fact. You will uh, be challenged, I'll even in you,
3: Orthodox. I'll tell you, it is incredible. Um, when, when this whole Black Lives Matter movement was going on, uh, at the height of it, uh, I was actually personally attacked by a head of an, of an entire Jewish federation for calling me out for not publicly posting on Facebook and social media in support of it. That if you don't speak, silence is violence. That I'm, I was on the wrong side. I, 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 I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Um, but the, the pressure tactics that you'll find there are just just absolutely extraordinary.
0: So, so here's uh, uh, a funny caveat to this whole thing. You're an Orthodox rabbi in Livingston, New Jersey. No doubt that there's Gentiles who are interested in Torah, in biblical knowledge. But there you're catering to the Jewish community. As you come here to Israel, the land of the Jews, you've taken up a position of broadcasting to the Gentiles, to the world, about Judaism in Israel. You, you, it's like you live amongst them, you're not really talking to them. You come up live amongst the Jews you're talking to the Gentiles. Isn't that interesting? I think
3: there's a very good reason for that. Uh, I think you'll find, if you look at the world of Jews who are are teaching the Gentiles, who are bringing Torah to the broader world, uh, it's not a a very, very big group of people, but uh, there are several people who are working in this field, and they are almost all living in Israel. You don't find rabbis living outside of Israel who are doing this. Now, why is that? And I think it it speaks to what I was saying before. When you're in your own land, you you walk with your head held high, you feel proud, you feel strong, you feel confident in your own place. And from a place of confidence, you're not afraid to speak to to others who are coming from a different background and a different place. But when you're a Jew in exile, a rabbi in exile, you're playing defense. It's very hard. And you're afraid all the time that that maybe you're going to be overwhelmed, that your synagogue, your small community will be overwhelmed by the outside.
0: and, And so you're afraid to reach out. Right. I think that's a great point. I I would just make another additive to that, which is, I would make another addition and not an additive addition to that, which is there is today a tension between the mode that a Jew in the diaspora survives. By the way, I don't use the word exile anymore. You know why? Because I don't think Jews are in exile. They are now in diaspora. Exile is when you get kicked out. When you choose not to, to, to still stay out, you're now in diaspora. You're not in exile. You're not in exile anymore. You just don't want to live here for one reason or another. Okay, I get that. I respect that. But, but like, let's call it what it is. Got okay? It. Um, now, I- an interesting situation that we find ourselves in is the disconnect between the different modalities of Jewish governance and Jewish survival— Diaspora survival, i.e. Mordechai, i.e. Joseph, i.e. Jew in the foreign court versus Jew as a sovereign, i.e. King David, etc. These are two different modalities, but we find ourselves in a situation where our people, practically split in half, have two different modalities and they embarrass each other. Right. The American Jews, a lot of them, especially the more liberal, are like, oh, my God, what is this, you know? Fascistic, You know, uh, you know, uh, state that kills people and has this army and it's gun toting and all that. And you're, and you're a New York Jew. You're a Yiddish. I, the other day, just yesterday, I was speaking to a group and he says, I work with Yiddish speaking lesbian librarians, Jewish lesbian librarians. OK. And, I, and he's like, they are embarrassed about Israel. And I'm like, well, they would be, you know, you know, you could understand that because they live a totally different existence. And this country now is supposed to represent them. And the other way also, maybe a little bit less, which is like what you're still like one of these, you know, a uh, Yiddishy Woody Allen uh, Krechts, and this and that and bagels and all that. Like, you're still that we're already like gun toting, sovereign company building you know, uh, sovereign state Jews, it's like we're a little bit maybe a little bit less, but maybe we're a little bit embarrassed with your ghetto, old school Jew in the foreign court, you know way of doing things. <laughs> so we, we live in this we live in this in this time where, where where both are true and both are kind of, they're not mutually exclusive and they, but they, they, they both kind of embarrass one another or at, uh, are at odds at times from one another. We, we
3: are living in two different frameworks of Jewish existence, as you're saying. Uh, and, and I think we can, you can really shed light on this by looking at the books of the Bible themselves. For a very long time, for thousands of years, the, the Bible was st- always studied by Jews, but it was, it was never given primacy, right? The Talmud was, was number one. Uh, you don't find that many great commentators speaking about the Bible itself, the books of the Tanakh. And it's only when Jews come back to the land of Israel in this last, the last century that all of a sudden we're seeing this incredible revival of interest and commentaries and explosion uh, of of study of the Bible of Tanakh among Jews. Now, why is that? I believe very simply uh, because the books of the Bible were not so relevant to us for so long. We could always learn moral messages from those from those books, but... But it was a completely different existence. You're reading about kings and prophets and the land, and we had none of that. We didn't have kings. We were in a foreign land. All of this seemed so irrelevant to us. But for the Jews who have returned to the land of Israel, we are literally reliving these books of the Bible as we speak. We are living right now the, the book of Judges. We've already been through the book of Joshua. We've returned to the land. We had our wars. Now we're trying to hold on to the land, which is exactly what happened in the book of Judges. We're aiming towards the book of, of Shmuel, of Samuel, uh, which will will be ultimately the monarchy, the return uh, of, of true Jewish monarchy. So all of these books are only relevant here in Israel in, in, a, in a very profound way. Whereas when you're in exile, you're thinking very differently. It's the story of Purim. It, it's a different framework. And so we're almost speaking different languages. Um, and and I, I myself personally experienced this when I was living in uh, the diaspora, not an exile. I'm not going to say that anymore. But when I was living in the diaspora, uh, I, I could not relate to the books of the Bible in this way. I didn't study it. Most of my focus was elsewhere. But in this year, since we've been here in the land of Israel, I'm obsessed. And all I do every day is, uh, is, is learn the book of Judges, the book of, of, of Samuel. I'm, I'm obsessed by it. A change in myself has, has happened. And I think it, it reflects a broader shift and a difference between the two communities. And so it, it is difficult for them to speak to each other, even though we share pretty much everything in common. But there are fundamental existence. You have a child going to the army, right? The, uh, our leader, our prime minister is a Jew, whether you like him or not, right? We, we are living a different existence here than we live in exile. And, and for that reason, even, even Orthodox Jews have a hard time sometimes relating to each other because the conditions of life are so different.
0: Rabbi Eli Michelle uh, is the editor of the Mizrahi magazine, HaMizrahi. Uh, it's a great magazine these days. Check it out in your local synagogue. Uh, and also Israel365.com. You're in charge of content management. You're also teaching classes at Shirat David. And uh, you've, uh, you've made it home. Uh, and you have great family members here in the land. Uh, and we want to thank you. And I uh, want to wish everybody out there listening to this interview to use this Torah portion of Parsha Shlach to, to look inside to think about the fear that we have, uh, to think about the distance that we have or the closeness and to take to think about what I always talk about, which is taking one step closer to the story of the Jewish people's return to the land of Israel, to the story of Jerusalem, to Hebron, to, to all these holy cities, these holy places and the rebirth that's happening, the reembodiment that's happening. What's the one step that you could take? For example, uh, I bumped into a guy and I said to him, I said to him, it's very simple for you. Here's your step. Just make going to Israel part of your yearly budget. Just budget it that you're taking a trip every year in the summer to Israel. That's just what you do: budget it in time, budget it in money. D- you know, just just accept that that's part of your life. That's your step. Okay, that's your step closer. You could take a step closer. Did you have any like step closers, Rabbi Elie Michel, that you recommended to your flock?
3: I, I'll tell you. For me, uh, the most critical thing was be- beginning to study the the Torah of the land of Israel. Mm-hmm. And by, by, by bringing a few minutes of that Torah of the land of Israel into my life while living in the diaspora, that's what gave, it completely changed my life. It gave me the strength, uh, the, the courage to make Aliyah. Um, and, and it's something which is so accessible, it's out there. There's the beautiful Torah of Ruf Kook and so many others. There's the even Torah. a
0: book called Torah to Eretz Yisrael, I think it's edited by Rabbi Tzvi Fishman. Yeah. And, and it's a great book.
3: There's an ever expanding English library of the Torah of the Land of Israel. Right. Encourage everyone to tap into that.
0: That's right, the Torah of the Land of Israel. Great point. Rabbi El Michel and Mazaltov, welcome home and thank you so much for joining us and getting ready for Prashat Shlach. Thanks
3: so much for having me.
2: Ishai needs coffee and vodka. Please help support the show by buying Ishai coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Ishai. Thank you and Lechaim.
0: All right, so that was Rabbi Eli Michelle, a great interview and a great Jew to have arrived in the land of Israel. Thank you, Hashem, and may all of us gain inspiration uh, to find our step, our connection to the land of Israel. Next up is Noam Arnon, and it's all about the Torah portion uh, of Shlach, the Torah portion of the sin of the spies, the rejection of the land of Israel by the Jewish people. One verse uh, is what I ask Noam Arnon about. All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show, and we have this Torah portion called Shlach. We're talking about the sin of the spies. My opinion, this is the Torah portion of our time. This is the Torah portion that gives us perspective on the issue of our time, which is the land of Israel, taking the land of Israel, rejection of the land of Israel. It even includes the issues of these so-called settlements, like Hebron, right? Hebron, this essential uh, 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 heritage of the Jewish people, where the forefathers and mothers are buried, it's their pathway that we're following, and yet so many people want to so-called return, give away this land, this essential land of Israel. So for me, my whole life uh, is predicated very much on this Torah portion. Like So much of what I do is because I believe in the truth and the, and the centrality of this Torah portion in our time. Uh, but there's also some mysteries, as, as you would think there would be, about issues of, of such depth. And there's a verse, there's a verse here, that I want to talk about, and I wanted to ask uh, my colleague and mentor and the legendary spokesman of Hebron, Dr. Noam Arnon, to join me. Shalom, Dr. Noam, how are you? Shalom, Yishai. Shalom, everybody. Great to have you. The verse that I want to talk about today is is just one verse, really. And here it is, I'll read it in Hebrew. they came up through the Negev, these spies, ad and in the singular, he came until Hebron. Visham, and there Achiman, Sheshai, Vitalmai, Yilideha Anak. And there there's three guys, Achiman Sheshai, Talmai, the children of the giant. And then so cryptically, the Nivnata Chevron, seven years it was built before Tanis in Egypt, before the city called Tsuan, which is identified as Tanis. So Dr. Noam Let's 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 get
2: to it. First thing, Vialuba Negev, what does that mean? Well they ascended to the hills of the Negev. And Negev many, many times in the Bible, it's the southern side of Eretz Israel. It doesn't have to be especially the place that we call today the Negev or the desert of the Negev. It's not as deep down. No. Negev Negev is south. Right. Yama B'negba. B'negba, mm-hmm. It means southward. So they
0: came up from, from what, like Kadesh, Kadesh Barnea, Barnea yes. right. which is not so far away. No.
2: Right. So Kadesh they came Barnea, up. Kadesh Barnea, and they they climbed up to the north. Right. And that makes sense, because towards Hebron is an upward Yes, slant. to the hills of Hebron. Right. And then they came from the Negev to Hebron. Okay, so so it says, but it says here, vayavo ad Hebron. And he came onto Hebron.
0: Now, on the face of it, there is a change in uh, from plural to singular. Some rabbis say that Vayavot Chevron. The Kli says, "I read this, and I was blown away." He says they all, all the spies, came to Hebron. and when they came before the forefathers and mothers, they were, became like one like children, like one child in front of the forefathers and mothers. But the simple reading is, no, he came to Hebron, one person, and then later we understand that it has to be Kalev because he gets Hebron. He's the one that came to the forefathers and mothers. He came to Hebron itself. It doesn't say that he came to the tomb of the patriarchs, and matriarchs. It just says, It doesn't tell us who came and it doesn't tell us exactly where he came. All it says Hebron. Why so cryptic? Why so
2: mysterious? Well, here... We must go to, that, to what Hazal, our sages said, about this verse. They said that Kalev climbed to Hebron and he came to the tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs and he did it to pray. He said avotai oh bakshu alai rachamim, all my fathers, please beg for me, shelo Pol baatzat meraglim, that I will not fall down, fall down into the sin of the spies. And there we saw that really this is what helped him to get out from this conspiracy, because he had the power, he got the energy, the spiritual power from the place of the mm-hmm. patriarchs and matriarchs to stand against everybody and say, "Yes, we can. Right. We can do it. Right. We can inherit the land. You are you are wrong. The spies were wrong, and only the two of them, Joshua and Caleb." These were the right people that were right. They <laughs> belonged to the right, and they were right. So,
0: you know, when I first read this, I, and I still to this day feel like there could be a different explanation, if he indeed, Kalev Ben Yifune, came to Hebron, to me, the real message is that he tells the forefathers and mothers, we're back. Here we are. We've arrived to you. The promises are coming to fruition. Here we are, we're arriving to you, forefathers and mothers, you've waited, we're just across, uh, we're, ju- we're just, we're close by, and I am here to tell you to fulfill the promise, the fourth generation will come here, we know that Kalev Ben Yifune is the fourth generation, here I am, that fulfillment is is coming now. But Rashi and, and the Midrash says what you just said, which is that he prayed not to fall for the sin of the spies. I'm always like, Why? Why would he fall for the sin of the spies? He wasn't like them. Why would he need to pray about that? Why would he need to, what? D- d- God, please make sure that I don't become a lefty. Why, why did he do this?
2: Well, it's not According easy. According to the mentors. Well, it's not easy mm-hmm. to stand against people. By the way, they were all the presidents uh, of all the tribes of Israel. Right. These were not uh, simple people. Right. They were leaders. And then, then they, they said, you are going to a catastrophe. Right. You are going to destroy our nation. Uh, wh- what are you going to do? You're going to fight against these giants, the Amalek, the Canaanites, and, and they have these strong walls. We can't do it. And we are going, chas Shalom to be destroyed. And the whole nation will be destroyed. What, what are you going to do? Okay, please, they say to him, to, to, Moshe, to Moshe and to everybody, Please be uh, be honest and admit it was a mistake. We cannot do it. Let's go back. Let's wait until the generation that we can do it. Right. And it's not easy to stand against it. And I remember what they say to Ben Gurion when he declared the state. They, st- they said to him it was six, he has a body of, uh, of uh, ten, 10 people there, the, the, this government, and six of them Four of the, four of them say we cannot, and six say we can. Try to imagine what would could be uh, different if even other, uh, if if one one person would change his mind. Right. You
0: also told me that <clears throat> you gave me an explanation about future tense. That the Chazal, the the sages, write it to us. Don't fall for this plot. Is kind of like like he prays not to fall in this plot. You gave it a kind of more future uh, perspective, like like a kind of prayer like all of us throughout generations are going to be faced with these kind of weak Jewish exactly
2: go ahead exactly because we same we, we see the same you know claims today. you can read it in, in every newspaper, in every uh, website you can see the same they say the same oh we cannot we cannot stand here. And we have the Palestinians and we have the European Union and we have the United Nations and we have et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we, we cannot do it. So here you have to somehow to get strength from the real source of power, of the of, uh, power of the of the people of Israel, of the nationhood of Israel, the fathers and the mothers. And we remember that God promised to Abraham and to Yitzhak and to Jacob, he promised the land to them. And we go to them to say, fathers, now we have some challenges. Please help us to get through. And they do it. So let's also go now to the next part of the verse, which is even more mysterious, I think, which
0: is, um, uh, There's three giants there, sons of the giant. They have names. Why do they have names? What, oh. what, what what is what is the verse telling me? This is something for me to read for generations, and there there's these guys, Achiman, Sheshai, and Tamai. It sounds like it sounds like Grimm's fairy tales, you know? It's like, and there's, you know, in Russian we have this, you know, evil giant called Barmaley. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, what is why is it telling me who these guys are? Am I gonna find one day bones and it says, you know, you know,
2: here lies Sheshai? What why is that important to me? Um here we have to go through uh, Chazal midrashim, and every one of them has uh, some sort of explanation to the name. Uh, you know, everyone can find some some belongings of, and these names uh, actually came from the ancient Middle East, uh, from very ancient sources that uh, remind us some ancient cultures. I think that the Torah wanted us to remember every one of them Mm -hmm. as a sort of very ancient uh, monarchy or empire that ruled the area. Mm. And you know so many empires, the Babylonians, the the Assyrians, the Ashurim, and whatever, there was the Khitim, there was many, many, yes, the ancient empires that ruled this area and disappeared. And you can find these somehow, um, these names or hints to these names in this ancient literature of the ancient East and say, okay, my friends, <laughs> you had your time. <laughs> right. You were a Shesha, you were a Talmai. Talmai, by the way, it was Egypt. And Achiman, every one of you, you, have your, you, you had your time and you, you got out and bye-bye.
0: It's, it's interesting. I, I sometimes think that the Jewish people, we actually carry <clears throat> the memory of these ancient cultures, and it's like almost like a favor that we do to them. Who else remembers the Persians and how they drank and how they did stuff? We remember, and we kind of carry them. They're gone. There are no ancient Persians, but we carry them with us in a sense. We, we, in a sense, we do a little favor to them, we keep their power alive, because we keep their memory alive. I have a, I have a, th- you know, a, a crazy. By the way, yeah.
2: th- there is a company or company or a group named Living History, right? And they somehow live the Crusaders, and they fight every year the 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 war in Carnegie team. They go out with horses, with swords, and fight again and again every year, every year, and trying time somehow to live again the life of these um, Crusaders. Our monks or whatever, who, 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 and and try to somehow to live, but in in Jewish history, the history is living, but we are not uh, related, or we are not uh, we, we are independent, but we remember.
0: Right, okay.
2: but our Pesach, for example, our
0: Pesach meal is a Roman style meal, our 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 Purim uh, party is Persian kind of Purim party. There's like something to. We, we, we keep those cultures alive somehow. I have an explanation about, uh, about uh, Achiman, Shesha, and Talmai. You might not accept it at all, but I think to myself, this is a very hidden verse. You don't know who went up. You don't know who came to Chevron, And it's just a little hint. Maybe, I mean, you're going to laugh at me, maybe it's an alternative to Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. He's telling you, actually... What's there in Hebron? These giants. Avra, Mitzchak, Yaakov, but it's a hint. Through Achiman, Shesha, and Talmai. And they're Yelidei Anak, which is they're the children of God. They're the sons of Hashem. He's the, he's the real Anak. Okay, maybe not. So
2: they have their giants and right. we have our giants. That's right. That's right. And Hagrid is in Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> he has his, his, his giants as well.
0: Wait, we're not done yet. We're almost done. Just two more minutes. Chevron. Uh, it's like it's like it's like it's like very the the narrator voice of the Torah comes in here in the middle of this narrative. The seven years it was built before Tanis in Egypt. Tanis is, is the translation that we usually use, which is a a Melchut city, a a, 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 a uh, monarchy city. Is that right? Yes. Yes. What what is the what is the Torah telling us? That's, I could I can feel that it's wanting to tell us a lot. Through this verse, why is it telling us? And Chevron, where we're sitting right now, by the way, was built seven years. It was built either was built seven years before, or was built for seven years.
2: You can you can explain in, in some different ways. But what what is what, it telling me about Tanis? What's it telling me about Egypt? What's it, what, why is it throwing this in there? What's the info?
0: What's the what's the metadata here?
2: Uh, in, in Torah and ancient literature, as general, the more ancient the place is, it's more honorable, it's more effective, it's more meaningful. And the Torah said that Hebron, although it was not any inhabited by Jews at the time, but the importance of the place is much more than Egypt. So when you come to Hebron, um, stand and admire the history and, and get connected. And the name Hebron in Hebrew means chibur, means connection. So in Hebron, you get connected to history. And this is what I think the Torah wants us to, to remember. Hebron is a very ancient town. By the way, if you come to Hebron, and we invite every one of you to come, to see the walls in your own eyes. You can see here the Ibi, the early Bronze Age walls. And you can see here the MB. The Middle Bronze Age walls, and I'm sure this is the wall. These are the walls the Torah means seven years before the Tanis in Egypt. These are the walls that you see here today. Uh, these walls were discovered in uh, archaeological excavations. By the way, uh, there was a, an American uh, researcher named uh, Philip Hammond who actually discovered the cave in nineteen. Uh, discovered the walls, excuse me, in 1964, 65, 66, and he called it... Um, Cyclops. Cyclopic walls. <clears throat> Every <throat> one of us remembers Cyclops, the giant in Hercules' stories, and he. this is a symbol of gigantic walls. So in Hebrew, we call it <laughs> Chomot Ha'anakim. These are really giant walls and can give us a hint to the strength and power of these kings that ruled here and built these walls and got prepared uh, to, to be somehow, to have some sort of a, a protection against the tribes from the from the desert, including the Israelis that came from the desert. At last, we see that Kalev did it. Kalev had the power to inherit to Hebron. All right, last question. This is it. I went back to Joshua Joshua
0: 14, Joshua Joshua, Yudalad, and I was reading the text of Kalev talking to Joshua. It's mysterious a little bit to me. Everything he says, he doesn't say, hey man, you remember that crazy time we had together? Wow, we did that together. Everything is in the singular. God spoke to me, I followed God's way, I went to Hebron, I inherited it. He doesn't, he doesn't include Joshua in the. There was no we. It's as though he's telling him something that's like he. The other guy may not have been part of, but we know is Kalev and Joshua. What what what's the what's the subtext here? What's the what's the what's the what's this discussion about? And if, and Joshua respects him, and he says absolutely, and go ahead and conquer Hebron, and, and, and good luck and all that, and he gives him the, the
2: right to do it. What's what's the what's the relationship between these two great men? Well. I think the Bible and Joshua tells us that when people get to power, um, somehow uh, there is sort of jealousy. And Joshua was uh, from Ephraim and he was the leader. And somehow at that time the tribe of Judah was uh, standing aside. He didn't get the power and the position that he should get and then Caleb said my my tribe my family uh, we we have our place we have our position and somehow uh, we are ignored you see that Joshua Joshua he conquered Hebron twice in Sephiroth Joshua twice not one but again Caleb had to say to him give me Hebron i shall i shall take it away i mean that uh, Hebron was not yet liberated until Caleb did it. And somehow you see that Caleb said to Yeshua, Now it's my turn. Now give it to me. Give me the position. Give me the power. Yet Caleb was not the leader of all Israel, he was the leader of Judah. Only many hundreds of years later, his grand grand, grand grandson, David, in Hebron, he will be the king of Israel. Uh, this so, uh, unification of all Israel waited maybe 400 years or 300 years until um, David in Hebron was nominated as a king, was crowned as the king of Israel and from then on, there is Am Israel Echad singing in Hebron, David, Melech Israel Chai, Chai, Bekayam. It was sung in Hebron First time. So, this is the grand grand grandson of Kalev that got positioned uh, to be the king of Israel. When we talk about these things, I think that you can understand
0: um, how much depth there is to just the word Hebron. And I heard just we're finishing with this a Hasidic book, uh, Rav Sipureh Rav, um, uh, HaMoadot. What is it? The. the? But it has sipurim of, uh, of Levin. No, oh, wait, what is it? Uh, and in any case, Hasidic stories on the Parashah and on the and the chagim, famous book, and uh, I forgot the name exactly. But he says, when you say Bardichev, you mean I'm going to Bardichev. It doesn't mean I'm going to Bardichev. It means I'm going to Levi Yitzchakmi Bardichev. Mm-hmm. And when you say Chevron, it doesn't mean I'm going to Chevron. It means I'm going to the forefathers and mothers to the patriarchs and matriarchs. Yes, uh, and that's what. The collected... means
2: chibur. I am going to connect myself to the source of energy. You see, you can have a cell phone if it's not mechubar, it's not connected. It's a piece of plastic. It's a piece of metal. It's nothing. Only if it's mechubar, it must be connected. Then you see the whole world. It's a, It's a, Every Jew, if it's not connected, he's alone. Like a leaf in the in the wind, he has to be connected to get the real inspiration and uh, and belief and power to to fulfill his
0: life. All right, folks, you are listening to the Shay Fleischer Show. Noam Arnon, thank you so much, Doctor Noam Arnon, a world expert in the Tomb of the Patriarchs, the Matrix, in Chevron, and spokesman of Chevron. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom, and all the best. Okay, so that was Noam Arnon, and that was really fun talking with him. And now something very, I think very, very special. You're really not going to get in a lot of places. Uh, and that is uh, a novelist on the Israeli left, but is well known, uh, just passed away today. Uh, just passed away actually yesterday, excuse me. Uh, but today they're talking about him on the radio. they're 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 memorializing him. They're talking about his uh, his his work and his influence. And I actually got a chance to speak to him a few times over my career as a, a broadcaster. And so here is my talk from 2015, which Ben Bresky found for us uh, with Aleph Bet Yoshua, A.B. Yoshua, famous Israeli novelist. Enjoy. This is the holiday of Purim and we're preparing for Purim wherever you are out there in the world. I thought that it would be great to talk about the Megillah, which is just a great work of literature, the Megillah stare that's the scroll of Esther, which kind of like everybody knows. We read it on Purim. Remember when when Haman's name is said, we make noise to try to blot out the name of Haman. And I thought that it would be fun to discuss uh, this very interesting and dramatic and political scroll and this this great story, this great kind of uh, play with an Israeli... Author and is an Israel Prize winning Israeli author. and I thought nobody would be better than Aleph Bet Yoshua or A.B. Yoshua. Uh, his name is Abraham Avraham B. Yoshua. He was born in 1936. He's an Israeli novelist, essayist, playwright. Uh, the New York Times has called him the Israeli Faulkner, and he is the author of 11 novels. Three books of short stories, four plays, four collections of essays, including most recently Achizat Moledet*, which means homeland lesson. I don't know why they translated that. I think Achizat means holding on to the homeland. And he, as I said, was an Israel Prize winner about 20 years ago. And he's also a person who's known to be on the left politically and one of the leading lights, the intellectuals of the left, and, and is often quoted uh, for his beliefs about a two-state solution and, and other statements that sometimes are controversial, including his very strong stance on the need of diaspora Jews to become part of the real story of Israel, uh, Jewish history, which is happening in Israel. Aleph Bet Yoshua, welcome to the program. How are you? It's good to have you on. It's, it's really a pleasure to have a, such a, a, a famous author, kind of a famous Israeli intellectual. It's really a, a pleasure to have you on. And I wanted Thank to talk... You. I wanted to talk with you about the the stare Stair because yeah. uh, you, you spend your your life writing and, and thinking about things. I'm sure you've gotten some inspiration from the Megillah. so let's start out with what uh, what is the main lesson for you for you from the Meguilata Stair?
4: Now first of all, you know that the Megillah doesn't refer to an, an nothing as an historical event. It is a text that the Jews had written by imagination. There is no reference whatsoever to an event in history that uh, the Megillah is telling. So this is a Jewish text told by the Jews to the Jews. And in this text, the Jews explain explicitly, very sharply, and very honestly what is the reason for antisemitism. It is unbelievable how Jews were frank with themselves. Now. First of all, in the Megillah, you know that there were hesitation among rabbis if to include the Megillah in the Bible or not. Uh, You know that the name of God is not mentioned in in the Megillah. There is no God in the Megillah. Yes, so the question is, what is in this Megillah? And in Megillah there is a story without God about Haman, and a man explain why he wants to destroy the Jews, to annihilate the Jews, not just to take their money, not just to take their land, because of their dispersion, because they are living they are not a national minority, they are living in many countries, and they have different religions in plural religions not religion meaning they have they are not bound to the official religion of the state of akhashbegosh so the reason is just because they are different essentially different and you cannot identify them they are spread all over the the Mamlacha all over the kingdom, in many places. So, he says, you have to destroy them. And this is the reason. He does not explain because they are doing this or they are doing that, but to destroy them because they are living among nations and keeping their identity differently. And I have to say to you, Mr. Fleischer, that when you read this Megillah before the Holocaust, so you can say, okay, he could not, Esther have done a trick and she had killed him and things like that. But after the Holocaust, when you know that the destruction has been done and a terrible destruction and for nothing, not for religion, not for ideology, not for territory, not for money, for nothing. We had been destroyed. You see the terrible things that the Megillah had predicted thousands of years before, and the Jews had predicted. It was not something that was imposed upon the Jews, but the Jews had warned themselves. Who saved the Jews? Esther Malka. that was, as you say, she was married to a non-Jew. It means she had been converted, if you want, in a certain way. She has done uh, the mixed marriage with the uh, sageness, or this, uh, the way in which uh, Mordechai had manipulated the thing there. This is a very, very frightening story, especially after the Holocaust. And this is the reason. Why? If you want to understand anti-Semitism, you have to understand this quality and defect of the Jews to mingle with other people and keeping their identity and doing it by their own will, not because someone obliged them to do it. No one would oblige them. Either you are a religious person and knew that Babylon, uh, the destruction of the first temple was in 580 BC. And then in 540, Cyrus had said to the Jewish people, return to your country and build your temple and only part of the Jews had done it, and the others stayed in Babylon, and then were spread all over the Roman Empire. And the Jews that had returned and built the second temple, they say to the Jews that were remaining in Babylon, only after 40 years they had remained. This was already the by will, by their own will, they say to them and if you read the talmud the most dreadful sentence that a Jew say and a religious jew say to a religious jew god hates you god hates you and this is the reason why after two thousand more two thousand and five hundred years we have been from a people of about four million when the second temple was destroyed. We had been about four million and we reached the beginning of the 18th century only with one million. A lot of Jews had left us through history because we have been in the diaspora. So when I speak about Jews to come to Israel I'm not speaking only because I want them so much to be with me and to participate in the whole Jewish life, what I call Israeli life in Eretz Israel, in a a state in which they can help us to solve so many problems and tackle the problems in an Israeli-Jewish way, but also because I know... That in Israel you cannot be assimilated. No one was assimilated. You can be changed in your country, but no one is assimilated. By in the diaspora, assimilation is continuing every day.
0: I'll Bet sure, you say that basically a lack of nationalism, living in the diaspora but still keeping your identity, is the cause of anti-Semitism. Yet, yes. I- yet Israel is a country which is a nationalistic country, which which has a defined identity more or less, still faces tremendous amount of anti-Semitism. So, how does how does your theory yes. hold up uh, to the modern anti-Semitism or anti-Israelism that's so prevalent?
4: I would say these are two reasons. First of all, the anti-Semitism against Israel or the hatred against Israel is coming from a certain group that are speaking about a territorial conflict. First of all, we had a conflict, a territorial conflict with the Palestinians, with the Arab countries, and this is like other conflicts that are in the world. but. The fact that there is half of the Jewish people are in the diaspora are k- still keeping the non-boundaries of Israel. And the fact that Israel does not have borders. nor when we didn't define our borders. We don't want to define our borders. This creates a kind of a permanent threat on the identity of the others. And this is what is happening. We have if you say to me, define Zionism in one word, in one word, I would say to you, borders, borders. The Jews are experts of crossing borders all over the history and going from one place to another, like from one hotel to another. So this is our disaster, and for this we paid the most terrible price ever a people had paid in history. In five years, a third of our people had disappeared. That's
0: a, so, so it's a fascinating definition of Zionism borders. What you mean to say, I think, is that Carve out what's yours and make it known to the world. This is your. This is where we live. This is where the state is. This is where we speak Hebrew. This is our culture, and you can't hate us anymore because this is exactly a defined thing. And you're saying that the Jewish people's kind of lack of definition gets under under the skin of of, of other peoples, of foreigners, and ends up kind of transferring into a hate and anti-Semitism.
4: A fear, a fear, a fear, a fear from the Jews you know, you cannot imagine how the last testament of hitler in the bunker he was speaking about the fact that the jews had won the war that the jews annihilated germany mm. he did not say that russia and america and britain had done the job no he said they had influenced churchill and had he he said to himself he said in his testament, the man who killed so easily the Jews, so easily he could kill the Jews, saying in his last testament that, that what was happened to Germany is because of the Jews, that the Jews had succeeded to influence Britain and Russia to annihilate and to uh, defeat Germany. Unbelievable, unbelievable. So the projection on the Jews is is easy because he is not known exactly. His identity is fluid. His identity is mobile. You know it very well. You know, you yourself, you don't know who is a Jew and who is not a Jew when you are going to the diaspora. We are, have to define ourselves. And this is Zionism. Return to your territory. First of all, you have territory, you have language, you have borders. Like other countries. Like all the countries in the world. This is the normalization. And then, in your border, you can do whatever you want. You want a Medinat al Do Medinat al <laughs> uh, uh, Like in uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Like in uh, Iran. Whatever, uh, this is another question. But first of all, They know who are you, you have a document, you have a passport, you know who you are. You have a national minority inside our uh, uh, borders, okay. There is national minorities in many other countries.
0: You know, I understand what you're saying. You're saying that, that borders will make us you know, more normalized, and yet you and I have a very different understanding, of, it seems to me at least, anyway, a different understanding of what our borders should be. For me, it's like if we're talking about Hebrew culture, how could I not have a place like Hebron as one of the hearts of the Hebrew culture, where King David reigned, where where Abraham purchased a plot of land, where our forefathers and mothers are buried? I mean, to me, it, it, when I look at you, I think to myself, God, there. There's a Hebrew man. There's a man whose whole essence is writing in Hebrew and the Israeli culture and all these things that that we respect and love so much. And yet, in a lot of your writings, when it comes to these issues, you would prefer to see... Uh, to see places like Hebron under a Palestinian authority. You have urged recently, you've written a letter uh, calling on Europe to recognize Palestine along with a thousand other Israeli intellectuals. So, you know, uh, to me, I I don't understand where the disconnect is between your idea of borders and Hebrewness and the history that happens in the land of Israel and places like Hebron, which to me are the heart of the Jewish history, and why would I ever want to give that up even though I'm under pressure? I wanted to ask your opinion.
4: You see, my family came to Israel, to Eretz Israel, in the middle of the 19th century. Rabbis from Saloniki came from Saloniki in the middle of the 19th century, before Zionism. In this place, in Eretz Israel, in the midst of the 19th century, there were about 20,000 Jews, that's all. When the Balfour Declaration was given, there was 50,000 Jews and 550,000 Palestinians. You can check it in the Hebrew encyclopedia that was edited by the father or the mother of uh, Netanyahu. Now, we abandoned this land for many, many years. And unfortunately, only the anti-Semitism had brought us back to here. It is a shame, but this is the the fact, that Herzl started the Zionism because he saw that there is no way for the Jews to continue in the Gola, and you have to change the Jew, you cannot change the Goim. So in this sense, we came here, and in this country, there were other people, the Palestinians. And we had to share the country between us and them. This is the, 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 the conclusion. And this is the only solution that all the world is recognized. Now, you want Hebron? Give them Tel Aviv. You want to give Tel Aviv? You want to give, they say, okay, you want Hebron because this is the heart, heart of the Jewish people. So take Hebron and give us Tel Aviv. The Tel Aviv was not the heart of the Jewish people, did not exist. You know very well that when the Zionists were coming here, they were going to the deserted place, to the desert. To the Negev to the to the Galil to the uh, Jordan Valley, when there was so I mean, diverted place to the swamps of Emek Israel. Because they say we want to take a territory without Palestinians and build our place.
0: I remember that before 1922, there was a huge presence of Jews in Hebron, but only after a massive pogrom that was backed up by the British, then we left Hebron. But I remember that we had a very, very uh, thriving settlement there.
4: We had there were Yeshuv in Hebron, the Yeshuvah Yeshani in Hebron, all Yeshuv, but there were many, many villages in which there were Arabs. So the Arabs moved from their villages, and 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 we will not give them the right to return to uh, to Israel. I am against the right to return not to Jaffa, not to Akko, not to Haifa. And we had also left Hebron and, uh, and other places, I don't know. Uh, there were few places that we had to, to, to leave in the war of independence. Anyhow, the result today is three-quarters of Eretz Israel is Israel, three-quarters. The Palestinians will have only one-quarter. But you have to give them because you have to respect the self-definition of a people. And this is what everyone is saying, including the majority of the Israelis.
0: Avraham, you know, I live on the Mount of Olives uh, in Jerusalem. I live five minutes away by car from the Western Wall. I live with 180,000 Jews. They're not alive anymore, but they're buried on the Mount of Olives. Uh, People who... Who would have uh, appreciated who you are uh, for example, Shai Agnon and other great writers are buried My, right father, next to
4: you. my father and my mother are buried there Now my you... father in the Mount Olive and there are and also my grandfather are buried there so well, what is the problem? The problem is, is the problem?
0: The problem is is that people tell me that I don't have any right to live there on the Mount of Olives. No. Because um, they I, tell I, me the
4: question first of all, if, if there are all over Europe, hundreds of cemeteries with Jews. And you have, and when we speak about peace with the Palestinians, we, we speak about open borders and a possibility to visit, they will visit us, because they, are, they have also thousands of cemeteries inside Israel. So they cannot be citizens of Israel, but they will be able to visit. And we will be able to visit Hebron and Bethlehem and Shem and whatever we want. This is the solution, the solution will be peace. But you cannot deny the fact that during two thousand years, the Jews had left by their own will. The Arab Israel, they had spread all over the globe by their own
0: will. There wasn't little uh, Roman occupation and uh, the Roman
4: and- occupation did not took all the Jews out. They they have done. Uh, there there was a destruction of the temple. There was a defeat. But from there, from the Roman Empire, there were. Arabs' uh, occupation, uh, Crusade occupation, uh, Mamluk occupation, and then Turk occupation. Now, just see in the Turkish Empire, the Jews were living in Iraq, in Syria, in Egypt, in Lebanon, why they did not live in Eretz Israel? This well, under the uh,
0: under the Turks, that's the first time they got a chance to come back, so they started coming back. That's when no, they moved but, to Tfad.
4: But, but, but if, the, if the Jews were living in Iraq before the Turkish Empire, no. why they did not move to Eretz Israel? This was the same country. So, why why people could be in Afghanistan? Jews, you know, you think that in every place the Jews were welcome? No. The, the, the Zionism was started. I have to say, we had, on the last minute, had succeeded in creating some hold in Arab Israel. This was because the United States closed its gates in 24, 25, with the uh, big recession. So so be a little bit honest with yourself. The, the, and, I, and, I think and the you're, question, you're
0: right that you say when that anti Semitism is what brought Jews home. No doubt about it. That's what did yes, it. It's, yes, it's a sad yes, thing. And, and, why,
4: and, and why we had to wait for anti Semitism to bring us home? It did not do with my ancestor. They came and the ancestor of Rivlin, of the president Rivlin. All of them, they didn't come from by anti-Semitism. They came because they wanted to return to their homeland, That's right. even without Zionism. And this was, and the fact that these Jews had done it, others could do it also. I'll and bet, Yeshua,
0: we're, at, we're low on time. I, I just wanted to ask you, how do you celebrate Purim? Here you are, a Hebrew author, winner of the Israel Prize. How do you, what, what is Purim to you? How do you celebrate it?
4: Purim, when I was a child, I was going with my father to synagogue, but now I have grandchildren, seven grandchildren, and they are coming with their tachposot. I don't know how do you say tachposot in The costumes, costumes. Yes, and they are coming, and we have to see them and to have to admire them, and we have a lot of fun and a lot of work around the Purim. But I don't eat Osnehaman because, first of all, I don't have to eat too much. And I don't like to eat the ears of someone. <laughs> Aleph
0: Bet-Yoshua is one of Israel's foremost authors, uh, an Israeli novelist, essayist, playwright. Uh, he's been called the Israeli Faulkner by the Times. He's the winner of the Israel Prize. And I want to thank you so much and wish you a happy Purim uh, from here from Jerusalem. Shalom, All right, folks, that was Olive Bet-Yoshua. You don't get that on every show. And I, uh, uh, you know what? I love talking to those kind of guys. In my in my Israeli Hebrew persona, I just want you to know that I'm very comfortable talking with those kind of people. I just feel a lot of times that I understand them. I know where they're coming from, and 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 I respect them, and I give them a respect, and I kind of say to them, you know, we are we have grown through you, and I I'm I'm thankful for them, even though we might disagree on on po- policy, and and really the strategic vision of where the Jewish people are going. In any case, folks, uh, it's been a lot of fun stuff. We had Malkan, we had Ellie Michelle, Rabbi Ellie Michelle, and then we had no- Dr. Noam Arnaud, and then we had famous author A.B. Oshua. So we had some real great ones. Uh, and I just want to finish off with, um, with one last thought for you, and that is about God himself. You know, after the sin of the spies, God declares that the Jewish people are going to walk in the desert for 40 years until, until a whole generation has to leave. Uh, but he says... He says vulam chai ani however i am alive ve malek kol and the honor of god the glory of god is going to fill the whole earth why does he say that he says that because the real mission of the jewish people was actually revealed or exposed in that moment and that is god is alive remember how we started with israel lives with makkah israel lives that's what it is uh, uh, for us. Israel lives. And when Israel lives, God lives. He, he shows up in the world. And that is what the Jewish people's return to the land of Israel is all about. I'm alive. God says, I'm alive. Not like Nietzsche says, God is dead. God says, I'm alive. And Nietzsche is dead. And so he says, I'm alive. And that was what the, the spies messed up because the Jewish people were supposed to go into the land of Israel and declare that God is alive to the world. And when, when the Jewish people go into the land of Israel, it declares to the whole world and it fills the whole world with the glory of God. That's the mission of the Jewish people. And I find an, an ironic and interesting thing that when God is angry in the Torah, sometimes a deep truth is released. It's as though through a moment of anger, a, an unfolding, a revelation happens uh, where it's like, oh yeah, but it's this, this is the truth. And that's what comes out, that indeed, the real truth is, is that the Jewish people's role in this world is to be uh, a revealer of God, and God has decided that this is the time for the Jewish people to come home. We are fixing the sin of the spies. We are returning home. Let us, not one of us, be one of the spies, the negative spies. Let us be Kalev ben Yifune and Yehoshua ben Nun, these two mega forces that come together, the force of Judah and the force of Joseph, right, coming together uh, to reveal God with different aspects coming together, uh, uh, to, um, to do this this incredible task of re-embodying the Jewish people in the land of Israel, re-enlivening this language, relearning this Torah, the spiritual Torah, the Torah of the land of Israel, and then sending it out to the world. That's what this whole show is about today. It's a special. Today's show was a special uh, about Parshat Shlach in its various forms. I hope that you uh, were inspired. Please write me an email if indeed you were inspired or disinspired, but just write me an email, ishai, ishai Uh You could also, uh, of course donate through our donate page. And if you want to be part of our projects that I talk about all the time, that's hifleischer.com forward slash donate. I do want to thank the folks that make this show possible, uh, including... Uh, including the great folks at Prohibition Pickle, which make delightful, delicious, deliciousness for Shabbat, and they make soldiers and people and Shabbat observers here in the land of Israel uh, so happy. Please place your order. Just do it one time. Check it out. The website itself is worth checking out, which is prohibitionpickle.co.il. Beautiful website, beautiful people, beautiful food. Uh, And I do want to thank very much uh, the Land of Israel Network, for being the host of the show. I want to thank uh, two media outlets, and that is JNS.org and JewishPress.com for pushing our show out there to the world and also providing great news and coverage about Israel and the Jewish world uh, from a human, normal... No, from, a, from a, a, a... I didn't mean human, like like like... I meant to say common sense, like a common sense perspective with, of course, informed by the vision of God. So that's uh, jns.org and jewishpress.com. And of course, the Jewish community of Hebron is supported by the Hebron Fund, hebronfund.org. Throughout the summer, we'll be having multiple tours. Join our tours. You're going to be touched. You're going to be moved. You're going to be connected to the forefathers and mothers. uh, Hebronfund.org forward slash tour and the Jewish community of Hebron. Wow, was there anything else that I wanted to say? Uh, I wanted to thank Ben Bresky, Yocheved, Tabitha, Moshe Herman and when we're live Lou for producing the show and I want to thank all of you out there for being a part of it wherever you are this is the Shabbat of strength this is the Shabbat to lift up your glass and say lift up your Friday night wine from the land of Israel and say I am part of the land of Israel I am connected to that story I am not one of the spies that fell through fear and through haughtiness and other things. I am one of the people who stand with Israel. I am a Zionist. I'm a Jew. I'm a pro-Israel. I'm a pro-Jewish. I'm pro-Torah. I'm with these things. I stand with that, and I therefore reveal God's face, God's amazing light face uh, to the world. Folks, more great stuff is on the way. Stay tuned. Stay Stay connected. Stay calm and collected because great stuff is coming our way. And we're making it happen. More great stuff is on the way. God bless you. Lots of love. Blessings from the Land of Blessings. And Shalom.
5: Hey, everybody. This is Jeremy Gimpel. Have you heard about the Land of Israel Fellowship? People from all over the world, 24 countries, have joined. We meet live every Sunday, and the video session is recorded and then broadcast to all the members and it's an exclusive group it's a group that's focused on learning we're focused on praying together we're focused on growing together and it has been one of the biggest blessings in my life and we have people from New Zealand to Australia Alaska Hawaii Hong Kong Jews christians we have a buddhist we have one muslim that's joined we have people from so many different backgrounds languages and cultures and we are literally creating a virtual house of prayer for all nations and it is truly marvelous and so if you want more information about that please visit www.thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship and i would love to see you next sunday